Amen. All right, guys. Welcome to New Horizon. We are glad that you are here. Remember, our mission, those that are online, those that are here, we're glad. Our mission is to bring glory to God by loving Him the most, by loving others as Jesus has loved us, by making disciples of all nations. Our vision is to have a pathway for people to grow, and we believe that pathway begins here. We believe that we live in community by worshiping together, by getting a word together. But we also believe we live in community by being in a small group uh, and just challenging each other, and then even being in an accountability group where you hold each other accountable to the spiritual disciplines uh, of the Christian life. So, and then having a place to serve. That's our mission. That's our vision at New Horizon. That's what we believe in. What, what do you require of people? One person asked me that here release, recently. What do you require of people at New Horizon, Chris? I said, just growth. Okay, wherever you're at, I just want you to be growing. We all to be growing where we're at with Christ. Um, today's message is this. Loving our community and living in our community. Loving our community and living in our community. Let me ask you before I get into this, Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 14, what we've been walking through over the past few weeks began in chapter 12, verse 1, when Paul said, in view of God's mercy, in view of all that God has done for us, may we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And then he went on from there as we talked about offering ourselves as living sacrifices to continue the discussion of saying, what does it look like? Because the reality is, I'm, I'm afraid in the Christian world, in the United States, and maybe around the world, but more uniquely to the United States, I feel like when we say, okay, God, here's my life, do what you want to with it, for some reason we think it's going to give us a stage or a prompt or something like this, when God is saying, listen, I want you to give me my life. And then he said, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it looks like this. Let's just live life in these ways. This is what it means to offer your life to Christ as a living sacrifice. To live daily in these ways. And we've been talking about a few things, right? So how has that been going with you in your life? Is God transforming your heart about what you believe and your behaviors because your mind is being renewed? Let me just review a few of those. First of all, how we view ourselves. Do we think too highly of ourselves or do we self-loathe? Paul said, think soberly of yourself. Not too highly. Listen, we can't think too highly, not pride, that causes a fall. We don't think too lowly. Why? Because we're in Christ. All right? But then the second part of that, where we're transforming our mind, we're renewing our mind, is that we need each other. That, that, that I have a gift and that you have a gift and that we need each other and we're, we can't live as an island. We must live together. We must communicate. We must be together because I have a gift you need. You have a gift that I need. And we need each other. We're not islands and we can't say, I don't need the church and I don't need other believers. But we do. We need each other. And then we looked at genuine love, right? Genuine love. Are we genuinely loving each other? Are we loving each other like this? It, it literally, love does what? Love confronts, but then love also rewards. It does both. 
See, if love, love can't only reward, but love also can't only confront, it's got to do both. That's what genuine love is. And then we talked about love for quite a while through that. And then, and then he went on to talk about loving our enemies. And Jesus said it best, if we only love those that love us, what good is that? He said, I've caused you to love those that don't love you and has mistreated you. Then last week we had that glorious message about everybody was shouting and praising the Lord about submitting to the government. And everybody had such fun. And I've heard some about your driving skills and some of y'all not worshiping on the way to church. Yeah, not very good, you know. Because when we submit, honestly, when we submit to authorities... We submit to government. What are we doing? We're actually um, we're actually submitting to God because God has placed those authorities in place. So that's where we begin. And I hope you're you see you see what Paul's saying. You say, man, when I think about offering my life as a living sacrifice, I don't think about doing the speed limit. Well, Paul did. No, not really. He didn't have a car, but he would have if he lived now. And he would have thought about those things, right? All right. Now, let's continue in this passage in verse 8. Look at verse 8. He says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. Well, when, when you first read this, you might think, you know, it, it goes back to him talking about loving our enemies, genuinely loving each other, caring for each other. So, so he's like, uh, now he's, it's almost like he skipped over and was... Government a rabbit trail? Was government a sidetrack? What was government exactly? If he went from loving your enemies and then he went to the government and then he, what, he come down here to this ideal of owe no one anything but love, <clears throat> but it wasn't a rabbit trail. I believe it was very specifically ordered. God was just doing things in Paul's heart as he was writing this and very specifically bringing it down. If you look back at verse number 7, verse number 7, if you look at it, it says this, Pay to all what is owed to them. Talking about the government, right? Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And then verse 8 says what? Owe no one anything. So, so it's very tied to that very verse. Verse 8 tied to verse 7, which he's saying, listen, don't owe the government money. <clears throat> don't owe them. Pay them what's due. Don't owe revenue. If you owe somebody something, pay it. If you owe respect, owe, don't owe raw honor. Be paid up on all those things. Okay? Be paid up on all those things. And then he says this. But then he says, watch this, except to love each other. Except to love each other. He said, don't owe anything except remain in debt that you owe love to each other. Isn't that interesting? Don't owe money. 
Don't owe revenue. Don't owe honor. Don't owe respect. Keep paid up on those things, but always keep yourself in debt to loving others. I owe them love today. I owe them love right now. I owe them that love. Now, as we continue to walk through this thought of loving our community, I want you to look with me at a passage in Jeremiah 29. And it's not verse 11, as many of y'all might have thought. But it's actually verses 4 and 5. Because what Paul, I think, is setting us up for is what Jeremiah applies to them in their life. And let me catch you up on what's going on in their lives. They have been, the children of Israel have been taken from the Babylonian government from Israel and taken them up to Babylon. And there's a group that's living up there, and they actually have secluded themselves in maybe even a cave, and they've kept themselves from the rest of Babylon. They're exiles, they're slaves, in a city that's not theirs, in a country that's not theirs, in a place where the ruler is not their ruler. And this is what Jeremiah writes to them in verses 29, 4, and 5. I'm going to read it from my scripture, and you can read it. Uh, from the screen or from your scripture. <clears throat> oh, I got to get there. I'm sorry, I'm still in Romans. Let me get there. I, I want to read it from my scripture, though. So give me just a minute. All right, 29. Look at verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. Listen, God was doing this. God was a part of this. From Jerusalem to Babylon. Look at what, it, what, the, what the writer says. Jeremiah's writing to them. And he says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I, that I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. See, they were exiles living in a land that wasn't there. They were secluding themselves in a cave. And Jeremiah is writing them a letter and saying, Don't live like that. Don't live secluded. Don't live separate. Listen, I know you're not in Israel anymore. I know you're not where you used to be. But in the land where you're at, build houses, get married, have kids, have grandkids. Listen, pray for the city. Make the city a better place. God's calling us to be engaged where we live. You see, the reality is this. You and I live, and I know some of you all have been in Campbell County your whole life. Some of you have been in Campbell County a long time. Some of you have been in the United States your whole life. Some of you have been in the United States for a long time, some a short time. But the reality is this. All believers are in a home that's not ours. This is not where we belong. We belong, listen, with the Lord. We belong in heaven. We belong in a kingdom where Jesus rules. This is not ours. We're exiles in a land where Jesus is not yet king. He is king. He is sovereign. But the ruler of this world is the evil one. 
And we live in a land that he rules in. And, he, and so Paul is saying, this is how I want you to live in a world that doesn't belong to you. In a home that's not yours. Live as an exile. So he begins to share these things. Look with me at verses 8 through 10. Well, I already read verse 8, first part of it. Own no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to the neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, would you think about what's been said twice in this passage? Love fulfills the law. I want you to notice the next thing about this. The law guides love. You see, because the law says, don't, don't have an affair with your neighbor's wife. Don't kill your neighbor's dad. Don't steal your neighbor's car. Don't envy what your neighbor has. See, the law guides love, but love fulfills the law. But in our culture, there's a, there's a strange, unique thing going on in our culture today. And it's this. That love and law cannot go together. It's as if, if, if it's the law, then it's not love. If it's love, then it's not the law. It's like they have to be separated. You say, what do you mean? Because think about how we think about things. We think about a law and a ditch. We, we do, let me just, you all hear me say this sometimes. You talk about driving down the road, worshiping God by submitting to the government's laws. And y'all are doing well at it. Yeah. Good, out. You're driving down the road, but there's ditches on both sides. And this is what I've learned and know about mankind, is we have a hard time staying out of the ditches. We want to ride in the ditch. You see, the ditch on one side of this is this. The ditch on one side is that, okay, if, if, I'm, if we're going to obey the law, and we're going to look at the law, and we're going to have the law, and the law's going to do this. But if something happens to it that it's not allowed to love, that it becomes mean, and that it becomes hateful, and it's not about love. There's this ditch we ride in. Let's just talk about the law, enforce the law, and we don't really love and care for people. 
So sometimes we get tired of that and we say, well, we don't want no part of that. How fun? That's not any good. We don't want to be mean all the time. So we jerk the wheel and we jerk the car out of the ditch on the left side of the road and we jerk it so hard that it slings the ditch, slings the car into the ditch on the other side of the road. And on that side of the road, we ride in a ditch where love says, we're not going to have any law. Where love says, Anything's okay. Where love says it's all right. You see the ditches we ride in? And reality in this ditch over here, where, where law doesn't matter and law is gone, what we become is mean. In this ditch over here, where we're, where we're riding in a ditch, we're just going to love, and we're going to let everything go, and, and, and it's good, and love is good. And, and in reality, what we, what we name as love is that if love makes you uncomfortable, it's no longer love. If love makes you stressed, it's no longer love. If love hurts, it's no longer love. But guys, listen to me. It is love. Biblical genuine love hurts. Biblical genuine love confronts. Biblical genuine love tells the truth. But we ride in this ditch. And when we ride in this ditch, that love just anything goes and there is no law and we're not going to tell anybody anything that hurts. See, I want you to think about this. Fake love lies to keep from hurting people. Fake love lies to keep from hurting people. And when you're right in this ditch where it's all love, life becomes meaningless. Nothing matters. If you ride in the other ditch, it becomes mean and hateful. If you ride in this ditch, it becomes meaningless. But when you get in the middle of the road and you ride where law fulfills love, love fulfills law and law guides love, and you put those things together the way that God intended, then we can drive down this road and stay out of the ditches and people's lives can be changed and transformed because we're living in a community with love and law. We've got to get out of the ditches. We've got to drive in the road. Okay? That's loving our community. Now let's look at living in our community. Look at verses 11 through 14. It says, Besides this, you know the time, the hour has come for you to awake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Let's just, you say, well, that, and, and it's true, the writers of the New Testament definitely believed that Jesus was coming back in their day. No question about it. I believe, every, I, mean, I believe when John was writing Revelation, he said, Lord, come quickly. I believe that John thought Jesus was returning before he died on that island. It's 2,000 years ago. You say, he still hasn't come, Chris. He's not. But you know what? Paul has since passed. So has John. 
And you know what I know? I don't know when the Lord's coming back. My papa thought it was in his time. Many of you all probably think it's in your time. I don't have a clue and I don't know, but I know Psalm 91 tells me to do this. Number your days. Why? Because they're limited. I was telling, I was telling my Sunday school class this morning, three of my four grandparents died at the age of 62. Three of my four died at 62. If I follow suit with that, I've got 11 years. I've got 11 years. Now, maybe I'll be like my grandfather that lived to 78. But if it's 78, I've got 27 years. That's half of how long I've been alive. Well, what Paul is calling us to is to wake up and let's live intentionally. Let's live on purpose. Let's get a hold of ourselves. Think about this. Listen, we only got a certain amount of time. And may we use the best of it. May we number our days and use it for His glory. Use it for Him thinking about it. Let's continue as we think about living in the community. Let's continue. Verse 12. The night is gone, the day is at hand. So then watch what He does now. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, he's just going to get, he's going to pull us out. He first pulled us out of the ditch of the law. He pulled us out of that. And now he's going to pull us out of this ditch of love and say, man, don't just live like the world lives. Let's put off some darkness and let's put on the light. And, and he doesn't stop there. He gets pretty graphic. Verse 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Now, now would you look at that just a minute. Remember, what's Paul doing? Pa Paul said in Romans 12, 1, in view of God's mercy, would you just give your life to Christ? And in giving our life to Christ, what is he saying? Man, don't spend time in sexual immorality. Don't spend time in sensuality. Watch, but he doesn't stop there. You, you, some of y'all be saying, if he stopped there, I'm good. But then he went a step further and he said, don't spend time fighting. And don't be spend, spend time being envy. We don't have time to be fighting. We don't have time to be having sexual immorality. We don't have time to be fighting. We don't have time to be jealous. What's he saying? Look, let's continue what he says. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To gratify its desires. You, you, you know what he's, he, he's saying? He's saying, guys, I want you to love and live in this community that you're in. So you and I don't live in D.C., but we live in La Follette, Jacksboro, or Caraville, maybe Knoxville. 
We live here close. So this is where we live. So God this says, this is where I want you to live. This is where I want you to be. He said, but I want you to put on the armor of light, and I want you to put away this darkness. I want you to put away this ugliness. I don't want you to live like them. But again, there's two ditches. There's a ditches with living in our community as well. There's the ditch that says this. The ditch that says, okay, I, I want to put off all those things and I don't want to be a part of any of those things and I'm going to do that. But the only way I'm going to do that is if I seclude myself from the community and pull myself out of the community. I'm not going to engage in the community because I'm going to keep myself clean from them. That's this ditch. I'm not going to get involved because I don't want to become like them. The other ditch is this. If they're going to listen to what I say, if I'm going to have any, if I'm going to have any influence at all in their lives, I'm going to have to become like them. I'm going to have to do the things they do, act the way they act. I'm going to have to put on what they put on. I'm going to have to think the way they think. It's the other ditch. If I'm going to have any influence. And Paul is saying, I don't want you in a cave. Jeremiah was telling the Israelites, I don't want you in a cave. But I also don't want you to go and do all their pagan stuff. I want you driving in the road, living, living, putting on Christ, living in this community, making it a better place than it was when you got here. It's welfare, raising it up for the glory of God. Let me wrap it up. Let me wrap up just with some just with some slides that I have shine at the end. Love and law. You can watch I, I've talked about these, but you can I, I we'll just let's just sum it up, both of them. Two ditches. Ditch one, to keep the law you must hate and be mean. Ditch two, to love people you can't confront or challenge. And anything goes. God calls us to live the law and love people. Two sides of the same coin. You can't separate them. Love fulfills the law. Law guides love. Look at the next one. Love and law. Two more ditches. Ditch one. To live in community, you must be like them. Ditch two. To remain as Christ you must isolate from the community. You see it? To live in a community, you must be like them. To remain as Christ, you must isolate from the community. God calls us to live in community dressed in Christ. When Paul said, in view of God's mercy, give your life to Christ, this stuff's what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. Somehow in the church culture, everybody decided they wanted to be a church celebrity. And it's not about being a church celebrity. It's about living in the community where God has planted you in these ways that God's light is shown and the community you live in is better because you're there. So I'd ask you that question. Because I believe this. I want to ask that question yet. Let me say this. 
Every one of us are drawn to one, or di- one of the ditches or the others. See, I believe personality types. I believe gifting. I believe it all draws us. We're either a very much a law rule person. And we're drawn to that ditch sometimes. And we have to fight not being mean. Or you're not a law rule person. You don't like laws and rules at all. And you can't stand them. And so you're automatically drawn to that love ditch. All of us have a tendency to lean one way or the other. And it's a constant tension to keep us in the road. A constant concentration. Some of us love isolation. I just do my Bible studies and I can stay away from people and I can stay by myself. Then things don't get interrupted and messed up and I'm all good. And then others can't be around people without becoming like them. Doing what they do. See, we're drawn one way or the other. And it's a tension to drive in the road. You've got to keep your eyes focused on Christ, your hands on the wheel, and let's drive in the road in a way that pleases God. Will the worship team come as I pray for us? Father, I love you. And I thank you for the transformation that's happening in our lives and in our hearts. I know that you're changing us. I know that you're changing our view of so many things to just help us live daily life, Father, effective and with purpose, Father. God, just continue. Father, I can't do it. We can't do it. But, Father, your spirit and your work transforms us, renews us to live every day Father, the way that you've called us to. So, Father, I just ask as we worship this morning that, God, your spirit and word will transform us in a powerful way. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and grace Oh
I wanted to highlight a part of our church and our community that needs us grown-ups to be an example of what it is to ride that road in the middle to where it's not all about the law where we're mean and calloused but to where all we do is show love but there's no guidance and direction and that's our youth a couple of Sundays ago, I had the privilege of sitting in with the youth. I'll admit, teenagers are kind of intimidating to me because sometimes I don't know what to say to them or how to relate what they'll think about me because I'm a grown-up and I couldn't possibly know what they're going through. But really, all they want is for somebody to listen to their week, what they're going through. And let me tell you, these youth are going through things, way harder things than most of us have ever been through. The things they deal with at school, some of them in their own home. Some of them need a lighthouse. Our church's logo is a lighthouse, a light to help them steer their ship in the way they need to go. So I encourage you this morning, you see a young person near you, pray for them. 
speak to them ask them how their week was if there's something you can pray about for them love on them that love will go a long way that one word you speak to them could be exactly what they needed to get them through another week in their life as we sing this song again i encourage you to pray for them there is a war a spiritual war going on for the mind, the body, heart, and soul of our kids. But I pray that they would be a generation that would throw down the lies and everything that the world has to offer them and that they would surrender to a God that loves them and has a purpose for them. And that we would pray for us, the older generation, to set an example for them and to bring them alongside of us and to encourage them. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees, oh Spirit come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things, oh Lord we cast down our idols, give us clean hands and give us pure hearts let us not lift our souls to another give us clean hands and give us pure hearts let us not lift our souls to another oh god let us be a generation your face oh god of jacob oh god let us be a generation that seeks who seeks your face oh god of jacob we bow our hearts we bend our knees oh spirit come we turn our eyes from evil things oh lord we cast down our idols give us clean hands give us pure hearts let us not lift our souls to another give us clean hands Sure.
as we consider and as we think about. Man, in view of God's mercy, in view of this, of His shed blood, of His broken body, in view of what He did for us, we take communion each week. We take communion each week thanking Him for the victory, proclaiming defeat for the enemy, victory for us. But may we also this morning, may we take it and say, Father, I give my life back to you. In view of your mercy, I give my life to you. In this community, I will love, guided by the law, and I will put off the works of darkness, and I will put on light. When you're ready, take communion in this last song. to those 
Drive out of here spiritually. Drive out of here looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And let him keep you out of those ditches that we like to drive in. Stay there and love and live in this community that we're in. Guys, I love you. Have a good day. I will build my life.
put up a good fight When he told you you're not worthy When he told you